So glad God is God. He's, he, he's the only way for our hope in our future. And your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids. How many have great great grandkids? I don't know about that yet. That's that's getting out there. No, I didn't mean it that way, but you know. Uh, blessings. Thank you, Anna, for helping us worship and leading us. Um, so I'm going to take a little time to read out of the, the illustration book. This is not necessarily the funny one. This is a, kind of one of those one-liners that help us remember. Maybe something will stick. Someone said if you throw enough mud on the wall, some of it will stick. Talking about church growth. <laughs> oh, we, we say things sometimes we don't know. What does that exactly mean? So this is about my sermon. It's on a First John, of course. And we'll title our message today, It's a Command. And it's lo- to love. It's a command. And so God is serious about this stuff. He commands us to love one another. It's, it's, if we're going to be like God, we, we, we need to love. That's that's the bottom line. In other words, but let me read a few lines. This is called, to let go takes love. So here we go. To let go does not mean to stop caring. It means that I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It is a realization that I can't control another. To let go is not to enable but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit power is not, let me read this again. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to try to change or blame another, it is to make the most of myself. To let go is not to care for, but to care about. That's huge. You guys who have teenagers, young adults, and some challenges as a parent to let go. And that's, it's not that you don't care about them. You stop doing everything, you care about them. That helped me. I learned that at Men's Advance. To let go is not to fix, but to support. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle, arranging all the outcomes, but to allow others to affect their own destinies. To let go is not to be productive, It is to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but instead to search out uh, my own shortcomings and correct them. To let go is not adjusting everything to my desires, but to take each day as it comes and cherish myself in it. To let go is not to criticize and regulate anybody but to try to become what I dream I can be. To let go is not to regret the past, but to grow to live for the future. 
To let go is to fear less and to love more. If you would like a copy of this, we can, you know, do whatever it takes. That's set of a lot of stuff there. That is, um, you know, you just can't read it once and get it all or hear it once and get it all. Really, the bottom line is I love it how we can't fix people. When I try to fix people, I take the place of God. I try to step into his realm. But it doesn't mean that I don't care. My goal, my goal I think, is better off to try to understand people so that I can help bring the word of God, help a person understand. You see, a person thinks if they don't have the word of God, they think under their own thinking. And so what helps us and shapes our forms are, uh, I don't like to use opinions. This is the truth. This is absolute. When we, when we stray from the, from the things that God has told us to do or not to do, we begin to live in whatever's, uh, when we stray from that, we live in, in whatever's right in our own eyes. It happened in the days of Noah. They did everything that was, they thought was, if everything became evil, wow. And I just want to encourage every one of us. With God, there's hope for your family. There's hope for you. There's God is in it. Is God in the house today? Yeah. I'm on the right boat. I'm in the right boat. I'm on the right path. That doesn't mean I know everything farthest from that. But I learned some of the simplest things. It's some of the simplest things that please God the most. It's some of the simple things like giving, it says, a cup of cold water to a, a someone. Do it unto the Lord. You will receive a reward for that. I like to think that everyone is a servant. I know you're a servant. You serve one another. You serve your, some of you are right now in a role of caregiving. And sometimes you get strained and drained and exhausted. So a church needs to be a place where we edify, build up, encourage each other on in the faith. You've been perhaps beat up all week beat down by things in this life. What you need to hear is a word from the Lord. If you just could lay hold of what God is saying to you and I today, we will have life. We will bring life. And I thought about this as I was praying earlier this morning. You know, I get these verses that come to me, and, and this is how I pray. I, I, I walk around, and I, I sometimes quote Scripture out loud by myself, me and God, and then I kind of practice, practice preaching prayer. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but that's how I developed in my early days. I went to my, this old shack of a house all alone, and I started praying out loud, and scriptures started coming to me. So I just started speaking them. And I discovered that God wants to speak through us, to us, but not only to us, but through us. So when you are taking in God's word, you are banking up for something that you're going to share. Something's going to come out. You put in, you take out. 
you put in a deposit from God's word, you get a withdrawal. Someone's going to withdraw from that. You're going to withdraw from that. And I think sometimes we run it on, we're running on empty. And we're, we're, we're getting overdrafts in our spiritual man. Oh, God, help us. Slow me down so I can take more of your time with God. So it's a command. The Old Testament, back to the scripture. I, I get going. I get ahead of myself. Back to the scripture came to me with Jeremiah and Psalm 1 are very similar. There's a verse in, don't stand in the seat, of, uh, or don't stand in the path of sinners. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the path of sinners. What does that mean? He doesn't become like them. It doesn't mean we shun them. We don't go along with that. We're in this world. Sin is all around. But we are to be lights. Doesn't go on. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't become a part of the problem. The righteous man rises above. Overlooks, sees past the sin and fault. And says, you know, I have faults too. Oh, God, help me. And so I'm bringing myself to, and so he's, this is, he will be like a, who, who meditates upon God. He will be like a tree whose roots go down to the soil deep by the streams of water. Guess what? Sometimes you go through a dry, long valley in your spiritual walk. You what, or you're tested. Don't be surprised. God isn't strengthening your roots. Your roots are growing deeper. You're searching, you're deepening, you're deeper, deepening, with, strengthening with God. Because deeper, the deep things of God are what he wants to reveal to us. We know some of the things that are shallow, some of the basics, it's okay. But what about the deeper things of God? Will we press in? He presses toward us. There are some things that you, you and I will only learn through our pain and through our crying out. And in fact, the matter is that to just to know that he is with us. And so in 1 John, we sort of covered uh, all the way up to chapter 4, actually perhaps touched upon the fourth chapter. Here was the problem. In the church in John's day, there were false teachers. And if I can pronounce this word, it's spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-S-M, I think. Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Gnostics. That's a better way. Gnostics. What they were, they didn't believe God could come down and be in a man, or become a man, because they didn't believe that he, he could be combined. And so they become really dangerous. They took away from the incarnation. They were, uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Their uh, ethics became evil. 
they became a god to themselves. In a sense, it was a dangerous teaching. And so what John is emphasizing to the believers in chapter 4, verse 1, don't believe every spirit. We live in a spiritual world. Whether you agree with, we really do. It's a spiritual world. But I want the Holy Spirit, the God sent spirit. I want to hear his voice. I don't go looking for other spirits. I don't have to be afraid of other spirits. Because God has said, you are, you're, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you discern. He says, here's how you'll know. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so there was just an opposition. The Gnostics said that no, no way God could come. He came in the, and he dwelt in man. So here, here's our answer. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. It started in the garden. The spirit of Antichrist. I don't have to go around looking for it. It may, I may feel it at times. I don't have to be afraid. What do I do if I feel it? I begin to praise the Lord. I begin to say, Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You have no dominion. The enemy has to flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, it says in James. Submit yourself to God. Humble yourself before God. And what does it say next? The devil will flee from you. So if you're having a bad moment, it's not, and I don't blame everything on the devil. If you're having a bad moment, sometimes our flesh gets riled, gets, our spirit is a battle going on with the flesh and the spirit. We've got to feed our spirit man. We've got to nourish our spirit man, which is God the Holy Spirit joined with you. That's what abiding in him is. Abiding in the Lord is having a walk with God. Noah walked with God. What did that look like? They talked to each other. They listened to each other. They were in harmony with each other. And so now, does it really say I'm supposed to love everybody? I think it does. Now, we're good at, we're good at twisting. We're good at doing stuff like this. Well, that doesn't mean I have to like them. Can you, can you, have you heard that? Here's the deal. I, I really think there are times where our personalities clash or there are misunderstandings that we don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye. Now I'm talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord. But I think this goes deeper, it goes across the board when we have to, we have to love people that are not in the fold yet. In fact, the matter is, 
By doing that, you break down walls and barriers and you open up for the gospel to be presented. Jesus came for this reason to seek and to save that which are lost. He did not come because they were well when he was accused to be eating with the sinners. Pharisees said, why do you sit and eat with those people? Wow, you wretched. He said, it's not those who need or are not sick. He comes to seek and save the lost. Oh, may the love of God get a hold of us. May the compassion, may the passion of God himself, may we seek after his heart. What is it, God? What is it that God's, what breaks his heart as his people do not know or understand? They're like sheep without a shepherd. He wept over the city when he saw across Jerusalem on a hillside there like sheep without a shepherd. He came to them in his own, in his own village, in his own hometown. He could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. And what, what, what just really begins to grieve the Holy Spirit is when we choose to go our own way in spite of hearing. But God doesn't give up on us. Thank God. Because when I was dead in my sins and trespasses, it was God that initiated the step to take the clap to me. But God, being rich. Now we'll get to the verses here. It's a command Back a little bit, I get ahead of myself. Back a little bit to the spiritual world. There's an Old Testament story. It's a classic. Just look it up sometime on your own. Second Kings chapter 6, verses seven, 15 through 17. I won't read it, but just to allude to it, that it was just um, the, the, the prophet, Elisha. I believe it was Elisha, Elijah, or Elisha. I get those guys confused. They're not alike. One followed the other, Elijah followed Elijah. But here's the deal. There's a, there's, there was just this enemy army that was encamping around the children of, and of, of the children of Israel. And, and the prophet goes to the servant. The servant is upset. He's in fear. Look at all these people. And he says, wait a minute. God, why don't you show him there are more of us than there is of them look look it up there are more of us in other words god has more army than the enemy has god has a bigger stronger he will win he is winning he's doing works that we do not understand he will have the last word he is coming for the church the church will be triumph because of the blood of the lamb we will we will worship him forever and forever now, greater is he that is in you than he that is in you. that's all in the fourth uh, verse four chapter four and then he skips right into it. Verse 7. You love it. Let us love one another. Evidently, there were some people that were may not be quite as lovable. Yeah. I mean, God, I have to love that person. 
how can I love people who I don't really connect with? Everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, that we might live through him. And we can only love to the greatest, the greatest only way you're going to love people is through him. Unconditional love is only going to be by the grace of God. And it comes at a moment, and we have to surrender. And now, Lord, help me. Now, Lord, help me. Now, Lord, help me. Over and over again, I have to keep uh, myself in submission to God. Now, let me say that we read a few things. that Just lying down and being a doormat is not what God intended you for you to be. You need to draw boundaries at times. Sometimes you need to back away. I'm, I can't carry that load. It's not that I don't care, but I'll do what I can do. <laughs> we can only do so much. Look at this greatest, one of the greatest commands. Two were hinges, hinged off each other. Remember? If you say, what, what's the greatest command? Jesus was asked that question. What he said? What he said? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. They go together. John says it here. If you say you love God and you hate your brother, that don't matter. up. So what do you do if you're struggling to love someone? What about an enemy, so-called enemy? What did Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. I was just to think, well, if I pray for my enemies, God will straighten them out. Wait a minute. God will straighten me out. Oh, do I really pray for them? Do I care about them enough to pray for their soul? I have to admit, I don't do that enough. I don't pray for the souls of my enemies. I ought to. I don't have so-called enemies. I really don't. I don't know. I just kind of go through life. I just love everybody, trust everybody. Maybe I'm too Pollyanna. Leave the doors open, unlocked. They wanted to get it anyway. I don't know. What do I love the most? What do I love in this life the most? Or should I say, who do I love? Who should I love the most? I'll guarantee when you love God, you will have a peace. You will have an assurance. And no matter what happens, God, but God is my vengeance. God will repay, says. God will take care of your enemies. Your part is to love on God. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the number one, origin of love. Number two, uh, we'll call it love perfected because love is an ongoing thing. It is in process. We are in process right now to become more like God. I may have failed the test a year ago, but I may pass it this year. The test of loving people. I'll guarantee you this. If you want to see someone that's beat down and walking around with a load of weight as they've chosen to only think about themselves, they become inward and become, they go, begin to harbor bitterness, unforgiveness. It's another command. I don't have an option. God says, forgive, and I will forgive you. Wow, that's free. Love perfected only happens as we walk with God. I'd like to think that I'm getting better as I get older. I think you're, you want, we all want, we want to become better. Better at what? Better at being. Better at being a season. Walk with God. Learning to hear his voice. Quick to hear his voice. That's you, God. It's just, there's some healthy fears. There's some unhealthy fears. The healthy fear is this. The beginning of wisdom uh, is to fear God. That's a healthy fear. An unhealthy fear, what do others think about me loving God? What will others think about me? Unhealthy fears, thinking the worst, beginning to surmise. A healthy fear is being afraid of thin ice. You stay away from it. Or you're afraid of heights. If you're afraid of that heights, you probably shouldn't go up there. There's a reason. You're afraid of ice on the road. There's a reason. Maybe to stay home. That's okay. That's a healthy fear. But there are fears that can keep us, hold us back from the things of God. Fear of, of man rather than fear of God. Fear uh, as a talent, uh, uh, five, the talents that were passed out, and the one who only got one, he was afraid. He said, I, I hid your talent. I was afraid. I don't want to try to do anything. For f- I was afraid. And you know, you know, you know what? One of the biggest fears for me growing up was having to give a speech in school. Couldn't stand. I was sleepless. I can remember my face turning red. It's supposed to last two minutes. I think I got eleven seconds in and sat out. Just petrified. I don't know, call it bashful. I think I was afraid of my own voice, afraid of what others would think of me. Just bound up. Oh, God, Elvis. You are becoming the man and woman of God that God has designed you to be. You are on a process. I don't care how old you are. 
God is not finished with us. Hallelujah. We're going on from glory to glory to glory. And here's how I look. You look at these verses are comforting because they've come, come all the way down through this. Verse 17, by this love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. I'm telling you, the day of judgment for the believer is a good thing. The day of judgment for the unbeliever is a bad thing. The Bible says there are two judgments. For the believer is called the judgment seat of Christ, where we'll be rewarded rewarded for what we did with our faith, what we did with our life for Jesus. Whether well, it's hay, wood, or stubble, gold, precious stone. But a revelations describes a horrific judgment. Those who did not believe and chose to turn from God will receive a judgment, a degree of punishment in the lake of fire. God has spared us. People will say this. How can a God of love send people to hell? You've heard that? You've heard that? Listen. God went out of his way to save us from hell. He came down to this world. He gave his life. Conquered sin and death. He knew we couldn't do it on our own. By the grace of God, we're saved. By the grace of God, there goes I. We're, de we're, we're dealing with a couple of friends, ones in Teen Challenge. It's just amazing what God is doing because come to a place of surrender. Now he's encouraging others, already encouraging others. It's not easy. Addictions are not easy. He needs support. And when he... When he gets through the program, he's going to need support. Listen, God doesn't throw us away. and said, there's no hope for you. As long as there's breath in our, our hearts, a breath in our mouth, as long as there's a mind, as long as there's a heart beating, there's a chance to be saved. If it takes you to the last breath, God can save those even in the, as a thief in the cross. Thank God. Don't give up on your loved ones. Love them to the end. I've learned this. I've come to believe that Romans describes that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Now, let me share this. I, I can hear a hellfire and brimstone and, and shudder, and sometimes that's okay and that's needed. But am I serving God out of just plain fear, or am I serving because I know he loves me? And I'm broken in my heart and spirit to think that he would love me in spite of who I am. That's the difference. He loves us in spite and cares about us so much that he wants us to, cho us to choose him. We cannot save ourselves.